the Bible really is the greatest story ever told. And even more important, it is a true story. It is a story of amazing love, incomparable sacrifice, and incredible loss. The Bible really is the story of the salvation of man to the glory of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What an incredible story it is. As we think about the Bible, the Word of God, we need to understand this principle. The more that we shine the spotlight on the Word of God, the more we will be able to love and understand and appreciate the God of the Word. Some people might wonder, why is it so important to study the Bible? Let me share with you three reasons briefly. One reason is that we are to know God and to love Him. And the more we get into the Word of God, the Bible, the more we can love Him. The Bible would indicate that God is to be loved with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. Too much of what poses for Christianity in the world is heartless, soulless, mindless, and energyless. A study of the Word of God shining the spotlight on His Word to see what we can see about Him. It'll help us love Him more, understand Him better, and desire to serve Him in a greater way. But there's also a second reason. Jesus Himself told us this. He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4 and verse 4. So many people are simply existing, but in Jesus and in His Word, there is information that can transform our lives because we read more about why we are here, what we have lost, and how much there is to be gained because of Jesus. We live according to His Word. But third, I encourage you to get into the Word of God because again, Jesus Himself said in John 12 and verse 48, by the Word that I have spoken, you will be judged. Now stop and think about that. If we've not spent much time learning about God from His Word, getting into His message, a day will come when we will have to give an account to God for the things that we have done and the standard, the basis for that accounting will be the Word of God. Friend, I want you to understand that the Bible is a book by God and about God and it only makes sense that we should be looking for God and a deeper, more vital relationship with Him when we approach his Word, it will make all the difference in our lives. Christ can be formed in us, Galatians 4 and verse 19. We can be transformed into greater Christ-likeness, Romans 8 and verse 29. The word Bible literally means book. 
And in this series of studies, what we are going to do is give a general introduction to the Bible. Spotlight on the Word is really just a general introduction to the Bible that will acquaint you with what each book of the Bible is about and some of its primary characters and its overall message as it concerns the salvation of man to the glory of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible means book, but actually the Bible is a collection of 66 books written by about 40 different individuals over a period of some 1,600 years. Now imagine that. 40 or so different people from different parts of the world writing over a time frame of some 1,600 years producing a volume that in essence says, man can be saved from sin to God's great glory through Jesus Christ. We can have a great relationship, a living and vital relationship with God because of Jesus. Oh, what a great story that is. You think about the fact that 40 people over some 1,600 years from various walks of life, various positions, various places in life, they brought the Bible together and the message is so unified, so harmonious. Imagine taking some 40 people from a 1,600-year period of time, sitting them in an orchestra pit and saying, all of you play this particular song, and they play a beautiful symphony. But that, that friend, as unlikely as it would be, is exactly what happens with the 40 or so people over the 1,600 years that all come together to give us this book called the Bible. In the Old Testament, and that is one of the two major parts of the Bible, in the Old Testament, you will find 39 books. 39 books. And in the New Testament, you will find 27 books. There are 66 books in the Bible in all. 39 in the Old Testament, the first big part of the Bible. Then you'll see 27 books in the New Testament, which tells us about Jesus, His life, His will for us, and that He is coming again. One of the things I would like to do is share with you five basic concepts to keep in mind regarding the Bible as we begin this study. The very first concept I'd like for you to remember is the word revelation. Revelation, and by that I mean God has revealed Himself to us. He has revealed Himself to us by the creation. The psalmist would say in the great book of Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Psalm 19.1 but God has revealed Himself not simply through creation and how design indicates a designer, a powerful and good designer in the case of the world, but also He has revealed Himself specifically or especially through Jesus. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, John 14, verses 8 and 9. We get a very clear indication of God and what He is like whenever we look at Jesus. But 
the Word of God, the Bible, Scripture, also is a special revelation from God. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says that men of God spoke as they were moved or borne along by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is divine revelation. But secondly, a concept that I'd like for you to keep in mind is inspiration. Inspiration. What that term means is that God bore along humans to write exactly the message that He wanted them to say, and yet they did so in a way that was fully in harmony with their own personalities. For example, to read the writings of Paul in the New Testament, you can't help but be impressed with his wide vocabulary. He's quite a bit different from Mark, who is very excited as he tells us the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, and his favorite word is and. It's as if Mark is rushing. He's hurrying from one incident to the next to tell us about Jesus, who he is, can be seen by what he did according to the book of Mark. Inspiration, the process of inspiration, we may not understand all of that, but the product we have before us is real. It is the Word of God given by the breath of God, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Every scripture is inspired of God. And so when we look at the Bible, it is a matter of revelation from God. He has spoken specifically through Jesus and Scripture. It is a matter of inspiration. And third, it is about clarity. Remember that concept. The Bible is a book that exhibits clarity. Now, there are some things in the Bible that are more difficult to understand than are others. For that matter, Peter would say that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. He would indicate that our beloved brother Paul writes some things that are hard to understand. Well, some of us might think that Peter every now and then wrote things that are a little difficult to understand. But we are talking about the fact that God means what He says and says what He means. And He may use a variety of literary techniques or ways to convey His Word, like psalm, like proverb, like parable, like gospel, like history. But we are talking about God can clearly reveal what He wants us to know in order to have a saving, vital relationship with Him. Another word is the word authority. That is a fourth concept. When the Bible speaks and it is properly interpreted and understood, God speaks. When the Bible speaks and it is properly understood and interpreted, God speaks. And how we need to listen to what he says. The writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, that God has in these last days spoken. There's the air of finality. And he has spoken through his son, Jesus, and the giving of Scripture. But here is a fifth concept, a fifth idea to keep in mind as you approach the Bible in this study called Spotlight 
on the Word. It has to do with sufficiency. Sufficiency. What that means is God's Word does exactly what He designed it to do. For example, James 1.21, Receive with meekness the engrafted Word, God's Word, that saves your soul. It's capable of saving our souls. Paul would speak of the gospel in Romans 1.16 and he would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So we look at the Bible and it is sufficient. God has said everything that He needs to say to us today through Jesus and His Word, Scripture, the Bible. We are to contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Jude verse 3. There's nothing more, nothing else that Jesus is going to say to us than what has been revealed in His Word, the Bible. So those five concepts are really important. But what I'd like to do now is focus a little bit about the relationship of the Old Testament, those 39 books in the first part of the Bible, to the New Testament, the 27 books that make up the New, that we see as we read in the Word of God. Let's do that. Here is a way of thinking about the relationship between the Old and New Testament. First of all, the Old, the Old is the New Testament concealed. The new is the Old Testament revealed. Now think about that. The old is the New Testament concealed. The new is the Old Testament revealed. And by that I mean God gave His revelation, He gave His Word progressively. And in the Old Testament we read of God's promises and we read of God's prophecies and we read of types, figures, or pictures of things that exhibit far greater realities to come. But in the New Testament we have what is real in Jesus. And what the Old Testament basically says in its 39 books is Jesus is coming. And what the Old Testament does is point to Jesus. And the New Testament says in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel accounts, Jesus is here. And in the rest of the books of the New Testament, that He is coming again. Keep that in mind. Well, here's another relationship. The Old Testament foreshadows but the New Testament fulfills. The Old Testament foreshadows, but the New Testament fulfills. Jesus Himself said in Matthew 5, 17 and 18, Do not think that I have come to destroy the law. I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill. He would go on to say that even the smallest stroke, a jot or tittle, would not go unfulfilled as it's about Him. So when we think about the Old Testament, it is about foreshadowing Jesus and how this would be fulfilled in the New. In the Old Testament, we have preparation. In the New Testament, we have He's here, perfection. The Old Testament is anticipating the coming of Jesus 
but the New Testament indicates that He is here and that indeed He is coming again. But think about it this way, finally. The Old Testament is by its very nature called old. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 14, we see a study of the old and new. And the old was never intended to be permanent. It was intended to point the way, to prepare the way for Jesus to say that He is coming. And when Jesus came, there was a changing of the law and of the priesthood. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 12. The Word of God makes very clear throughout the book of Hebrews that Jesus took away the first, the Old Testament, in order to establish the second, the new. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And so we can rightly conclude about the relationship between the Old and New Testament that one says He is coming, the Old The new says He has come and He is coming again. The Old Testament is for our learning. It reveals Jesus by way of God's promises and various prophecies and types. It tells us much about the nature of sin and living holy lives. It tells us a great deal about the character of God and so many other wonderful biblical subjects. But the Old Testament is not for our law but rather for our learning. Romans 15 and verse 4 says, The things that were written before time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Here is something else to think about as we approach this study. We need to think about how Jesus viewed the Old Testament. We ought to have a similar view to the Old Testament as Jesus. And I'd like to focus on five passages from the New Testament, from the lips of Jesus Himself, concerning His attitude toward the Old Testament and what it was all about. One I've already alluded to, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, where Jesus says, I did not come to destroy, but fulfill the law. That is such an important thing to consider. Jesus believed that the Old Testament prepared the way for him, that it was something of a tutor or schoolmaster that would point the way to him, a greater one to come, Galatians 3 and verse 24. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, there is a second passage that Jesus gave concerning His view of the old law. And He says in Luke 24 verse 27 that it was necessary that He interpret from all of the law of Moses and the prophets the things concerning Himself all the things concerning Himself. Now, if we could somehow transport ourselves back to that time, what a thrilling, what an exciting study that would have been as Jesus looked to the Old Testament and interpreted from the law of Moses and the prophets all the things concerning Him. And then again, third, in Luke 24 and verse 44, Jesus says, Everything that is written concerning Me... In the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must 
be fulfilled. There is no compromise. There's no equivocation on the, por- on the part of our Lord. He believes that the Old Testament speaks about Him, points the way to Him, and that He is the fulfillment of it. Fourth, consider John 5 and verses 39 and 40. In John 5 verses 39 and 40, Jesus says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But then He goes on to say of the Scriptures, the Old Testament, They bear witness of Me. Jesus believed that the Old Testament with its promises, many of its prophecies and types and figures pointed to Him. The great plan of God to save men to the glory of God through Jesus, to save men from sin through Jesus. This had been in God's mind from the beginning. 1 Peter 1.20, Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but manifested in these last times for our sakes. But here's a fifth passage, and it's Hebrews 10 and verse 7. Hebrews 10 and verse 7. It is written in the scroll of the book. It is written in the scroll of the book. I have come to do your will, O God. The passage is a quotation from Psalms chapter 40. Jesus says, that was written about me. I have come to do your will, O God. So Jesus had a high view of the Old Testament and its purpose. And so should we. He believed that the Old Testament pointed to him. And so should we. What a powerful relationship. But I would like for us to consider this thought in conclusion. As we look at the 39 books of the Old Testament, they can be broken down into five basic parts. The first part is called the law, the books of Moses. Some people call it the Pentateuch, meaning five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These books basically deal with the creation, the fall of man due to sin, a promise of one who would come to deliver us from sin, God establishing a family and eventually a nation through whom He would bless all the nations of the world. Then we get to 12 books. 12 books of history. And these books have to do primarily with God's dealings with Israel, a nation that He chose from whom would arise the promised one, Jesus. Then there are five books of poetry. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and the first one, Job. What these books deal with have to do with some of the great issues of life. Worship, wisdom, love, suffering, and pain, and how to adore and love God in every aspect of our lives. Then, as you look at the Old Testament, there are five books we commonly call the major prophets. They are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. 
They are called major prophets not because their message is more important, but because of the length of the particular books. They are long reading as opposed to some other books of the prophets that we might read. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel called major prophets. And then finally, what we have are 12 books toward the end of the Old Testament called the minor prophets. Again, that doesn't mean that their message is any less important, but it does mean that the books tend to be more brief, more concise when compared to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or Daniel. And really, there are several concepts that arise when we think about the Old Testament as a whole. It provides a foundation for Christ a foundation for Christ. When we look at these 39 books, the foundation is laid for Jesus to come by the prophets, Ephesians 2 and 20. But not just that, they have a preparatory uh, purpose. The Old Testament has a preparatory purpose. He is coming. He is coming. And you look at the sacrifices of the Old Testament, a type or figure, a picture of the ultimate sacrifice that would be given by Jesus Himself. You look at the high priesthood of the Old Testament and you see the perfect high priesthood of Jesus, especially as it's revealed, for example, in the book of Hebrews. You look at the Old Testament and there's so much there about adoration loving God, knowing God, understanding God, and seeking Him more in our lives to have a real and vital relationship with Him. The Psalms do this especially well. So as we look at this study, spotlight on the Word, how we need to keep in mind that to truly know God, we need to turn to special revelation the Bible. We don't merely talk about what we think or what we feel, but we go to an authoritative source. We go to the Word of God. It is so interesting that when Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, many of you are familiar with the story. On each occasion, He answered the devil with the words, It is written. It is written. Each time he referred, I think, to the book of Deuteronomy. And if our, our salvation, if our battle was going to be determined whether we win or lose based on our knowledge of the book of Deuteronomy, how well would you do? How well would I do? Jesus spoke of Scripture and its power. It is an authoritative source. Oh, how we need to appreciate it. And remember that the purpose of spotlighting the Word of God is not simply to fill our heads with information, but to help us love, know, understand, and serve God better. The real measure of a great Bible student is not simply the amount of information that they may have in their head, but how well they have applied in their lives and hearts the message of God. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Psalm 119 and verse 11, 
your word. That's the best possession. Have I hid in my heart that is the best place that I might not sin against God. That, friend, is the best purpose. The best purpose is to hide God's word in your heart. I hope that you'll try to do just that as we study together. God bless you.